Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Reclaimed Podcast. I am so happy that you're here. My name is Ellie Herringshaw. I'm your host. I went through a divorce last year, well, a little over a year ago now, and it is now my calling to encourage others to to step into healing, to allow God to heal every aspect of our life, not just from divorces or trauma or whatever hardship you faced, but in reaching out for healing, we receive that from the Lord because he's able and he's willing to extend it. So in today's episode, I'm so excited. We're going to be talking to my friend Austin Collins. Austin's response to his divorce and to his ex-wife's betrayal is just beautiful and inspiring and his perspective and love for the Lord is really admirable. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. And Austin does talk about the need for community and and how that's an important aspect of healing too. And so with that, I wanted to just plug again um, my reclaimed community. If you live here in the Twin Cities and you have faced something hard and you want women to run alongside, um, I really encourage you to join the Reclaimed community. You can reach out to me and um, you can find my contact information on my blog. Um, on rclaimed.com and um, and I can I would love to have you join me in the reclaimed community. So without further ado, enjoy this episode. Be blessed. God loves you so much, and go reclaim something. I am so excited to be sitting here with Austin Collins. Um, unfortunately, we have kind of similar stories. That's true. And um, I'm just really, really excited that you agreed to come and share yours today. Yeah. So thanks for being here. No, thank you so much. It's it's really an honor, uh, really. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Of course. Obviously, I know your story, yeah. um, but my listeners do not. And I think a lot of people don't. You're new to the Twin Cities. We should true. say that. That's true. You yeah. just moved here from Fargo. Yeah. Three, three and a half months ago now. Yeah. It's, it's all very new. Yeah. Definitely. So... The big city. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I like it. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful in a different kind of way than Fargo. So yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, slightly different. Maybe yeah. less windy. It is or less something. windy. Yes. Yeah. That's good. That's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. Why don't you share a little bit about your story? Sure. Sure. Dive so, right in. Yeah. Um. I well, I got married young, so uh, I'm divorced. Like you, yeah. that's sort of the big picture. Um, I got married when I was 19 uh, to my high school sweetheart about a year out of high school. Um, I, uh, we ended up moving to Moorhead, um, Fargo-Moorhead area, and I went to college there at Concordia. Um, and sort of my senior year, um, just with the busyness of life, her and I had gotten distant. Um, just because of everything was go- that was going on, I was uh, I was working part time as a CNA. I was writing my undergraduate thesis um, in college, and then she had her life doing her things, and just sort of as life goes and, uh, sometimes, um, we ended up not putting as much time into our relationship, and so yeah. by the end of my my uh, college years, we yeah we were just distant, and. Up until that at that point, things were pretty well. I mean, our, our marriage was great, um, especially going into things starting out. It seemed like a fairy tale, hmm. um, and that's that's sort of the way that people outside of, of, of our lives described it when they experienced 
our story and, and how we met and just different things that were going on. Uh, people describe us as like Ken and Barbie, like this is just a fairy tale, people getting together, and, and that's how it felt a lot of times. And so that sort of fairy tale image kind of devolved just in the realness of life. Yeah. Um, and so we, we just got distant. Um, and then after I graduated, uh, I was like, hey, we got to close this gap, this gap and clo close mm -hmm. this distance. And we were planning to take a trip for ourselves and sort of try to do that. Yeah, get centered. Yeah, you know, in and a sense. definitely. We were, we were both not happy with, with where the relationship was. Yeah. Because it was difficult, um, here and there she would decide to like go um, go out with her friends just sort of as a distraction. Like, this is really tense and hard, and I don't really want to be here right now. So I'm going to go do this. Yeah. And I totally understood that. I mean, there were nights I wanted to do the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's good to take hard. some time for yourself and to figure out where you are. At the same time... In marriage, you've made a commitment to the other person. Yeah. So um, I was kind of there like, okay, I'm married. I made a commitment. <laughs> kind of like straightforward, like let's let's talk right now. And <laughs> maybe too much sometimes. Um, so, so, yeah, we we're navigating that. And over time, her uh, going out with her friends, you know, once, once a week hmm. after maybe three, four weeks turned into several nights a week. Yeah. Turned into... Uh, almost gone every night Wow! and so after maybe maybe a month and a half she was like never home hmm. and I'm of course I'm just freaking out at that point I'm not you know I still have hope for our relationship of course but I'm like trying to think about everything I could have done wrong hmm. trying to think yeah. about how I can just get her back so that we can communicate and I wanted to give her space because that's what she wanted but at the same time I knew we had an obligation yeah, to each other, right? And I wanted to um, treat our our marriage as seriously as it ought to be treated. Yeah. So. Yeah, it it was really it was hard. Um, and then after maybe two months, I came home one night after work, and my apartment was half empty, mm. and I, I didn't know where she was or who she was with. I just assumed she was with the same friends you know, try to call her, I would text her, and she uh, just wouldn't wouldn't respond to me. Wow. Um, so on her end, it was like, it wasn't like any really big decisions to be like, I don't want to work on this. It was like a yeah. small little decision of avoidance, for example, that led into, after two months, her just leaving and not mm. wanting to deal with any of it. But one one sort of pivotal thing before I move on, which is super necessary. After I graduated, a week after we're in this weird place of being distant, the Lord totally stepped into my life in a way that was so real and so raw, um, maybe in a way that I, I have never before that experienced. Hmm. I'm a super structured person, and I, I like to read like things in order, and I have this routine every day. Um, and I decided to break that routine, which I, I occasionally do. And I went out side of my apartment and I decided to spend some time with the Lord, um, out of routine, no plans on what to read or what to pray. And, and I was just like, and just enjoying my time with him. And I was like, Lord, do you have anything to show me? Hmm. You know, do you want, do you want to show me anything? You want me to go anywhere in your word? Just super open and, and listening, attentive to what he 
had to say. And he immediately spoke so loud. It was, it was nearly audible. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, Hosea 2. That was it. And I was like, Hosea 2? What is that even about? <laughs> I don't know. I was worried it was, it was, my, it was just a thought or something. And it was going to be a genealogy. And I right. just wasn't going like, to get anything out of it. Yeah. <laughs> but it totally wasn't. And, and the voice was definitely not mine. Hmm. And I open up to Hosea 2 and I begin reading. And, you know, sometimes you're, you're reading the word and a verse or a phrase will pop out to you and be like, that was so for me. And it was this whole chapter was wow. popping out and God was just just, uh, just opening it up to me in such a real way. Cool. Um, so I'm sitting there and I'm reading this and the first half of the chapter is about God uh, just expressing his heart and how he's feeling, how his wife, Israel, is betraying him, mm. how she's running after everything else besides him. And he's just expressing how he's feeling to Hosea, like, like, look what she's doing. I can't believe she would do this and she wouldn't come back or that she would like lay with like the, 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 the images of a, like a, like a harlot, um, that she would go around and, and sleep with all these different people, like right. everyone she could basically she has. Yeah. And his heart is just so broken. Wow. And as I'm reading this, I'm just seeing my life sort of unfold in front of me. And I'm seeing that the person he's talking about is me. Wow. And how every day, you know, I'll wake up, I would want coffee more than God, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I would want to talk to my residents at work more than I would want to be with him. Hmm. You know, I would, I would just want other things. My heart would want other things right. more than it would want him. And yet I called myself a Christian, you know, the bride of Christ. And so God is just unfolding all these things to me. And I'm, I'm seeing this person is me. Wow. And so I was like, Lord, what, what do I even say? Forgive me for not loving you the way I should, for not wanting you the way I should, for not needing you the way that I should. And at verse 14, I, I get to 14 and he says, therefore, and I'm just... <laughs> I'm just like terrified. These I think. transitional words in in the yeah. middle of those, they're just they're powerful. Yeah. So I'm in, in just this this real place. Like, I have wronged the Most High God. Mm-hmm. I've betrayed Him. I've cheated on God wow. in the most sacred marriage. And He says, therefore. So I'm thinking like he's gonna he's gonna come down and kill everybody, <laughs> and he like and me included in yeah. like right now yeah. in this spot out in the lawn. I'm gonna die. <laughs> Because I've wronged him, and I actually deserve that. And he says, therefore, and basically the response that I'm expecting is the opposite of what I deserve um, and what I expect. And he effectively, come, he, he says, I'm going to come down from heaven, and you're going to no longer call me master. You're going to call me husband. Wow. You're going to call, you're, you're, I'm going to come down and, and basically wash your feet and pursue you and chase after Mm. you to a point where you can't even think about those other things that you used to pursue. You won't even, you won't even be able to to say their name. You won't even remember what you were running after because of the way that I'm going to chase after you and love you and pursue you. And so that's me. He's talking directly to me in that moment. 
Hmm. Like I was running away from God. My heart wasn't for him. And he says, therefore, I'm going to run after you and I'm going to chase you down and Hmm. I'm going to dry your tears, wash your face and love you to a point where it's just going to be you and me. Yeah. And and he did that in that moment. Um, It was like it was almost as if I saw him come down from heaven and dry my 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 sort of guilt and condemnation hmm. away wow. and say like I accept you and you're mine now. Yeah. It was absolutely pivotal. I don't know where I wouldn't be here talking to you if it, right. if it wouldn't wouldn't have been for the Lord showing up at that time. So absolutely changed my life. So powerful. Um just a revelation of the way he feels about me. Yeah. Of the way that he sees me, of the way he's been pursuing me even even when I had no idea. Hmm. Um so absolutely amazing. So at that point, I was like on cloud nine before everything began to devolve. And then, of course, uh, yeah, things sort of went downhill. The distance between my uh, wife at the time and I w- uh, grew. And she went with her friends. One night turned into two. Two nights turned into a week. Eventually, yeah. I find out, you know, she's she, she leaves. I come home. My apartment's empty. Wow. And after... Maybe three months ish, my my roommate texted me, and your roommate at the time. My roommate, well, my ex roommate now. Since I just moved, I call yeah. him my roommate. <laughs> he was uh, he was a fr- he was a co he was a coworker. He's a friend from work. Yeah. And he texted me and he said, like, I need to talk to you, and he needs to be in person. And I was like, Oh my goodness, it's gonna be, it's yeah. gonna be about my wife. And he shows up at three in the morning. I don't even know why I was so late, but. Three in the morning, I'm I'm just a wreck, and he walks into my apartment, and he shows me pictures of of her with this other guy. Oh my gosh! And so I'm just broken. Um, obviously, just adding to everything. Like I thought I was in a worse place enough. I don't know where my wife is living. Yeah. You know, I come home alone every day, and then I find out she's with somebody else. And I, I, I text her and I'm like, hey, you know, I want to I want to hear your side of the story. This is what I saw. This is what my friend was telling me. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. And I don't get a response. Wow. Um, and yeah, so I'm I'm there. I'm in that place for several more months. That must have been excruciating. Just alone. It, it, it was awful. It was awful. There were some really really bad days in there i was depressed for sure i mean angry here and there so many different emotions sort of like all within the span of like all five minutes at the same sometimes. time <laughs> yeah and it, it was so hard and the loneliness didn't help i didn't have a lot of community at that time which is so yeah. necessary and wow so I, I really didn't have anybody and i was by myself and i don't know where, I, where my wife is and yeah. she's with somebody else and breaking this commitment that she made to me. And when I thought things couldn't get worse, they did one week after the mm-hmm. next. After maybe six months of being in that place, I find out she's doing drugs. She's drinking all the time. She's experimenting with different things. Um, and I, I'm actually worried at that time for her life yeah like I, she might naturally she might overdose i don't wow. know and so i'm in this place day after day after day of just being so broken hearted wow 
and worried not only for my marriage, but just, just for her life, just that wow. she would make it out okay. And the amazing part of, of everything that was going on, I think, was as I was there in that place day after day for months, totaling about eight or nine months, hmm. the Lord would show up in the craziest way. <laughs> and I would be in that place, and I would be seeing all these things that she was doing to me, like like doing, not with me, like she's out here, she's, she's getting drunk, she's doing drugs, she's with this guy sleeping around. And I'm by myself, and I would just see her in my mind doing those things and be so broken. But instead of her being in my mind, all I could see was myself wow. doing those things to God. Day after day, running from Him. And yet His response was to chase after me. Right. Like, that was me. What she was doing, literally, that, that, was, that was what I did to God. Yeah. And my marriage, like my marriage with my wife at the time, is just a shadow of, of the relationship that I have with the Lord. And that's what I did to the Lord. And so in this wow. place of being so brokenhearted, God showed me that his heart was broken too and that I was the one who broke it. And yeah, just day after day, he would show me that and show me not just like to say, hey, look what you did to me. You know, <laughs> it was like, hey, this is you. And look at my response. And his response was to chase after me, to right. come down from his throne and right. rescue me of all people from basically committing suicide. Because of our sin. Right. Because yeah. of my like running because after everything else. what sin does is leads else. to death. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, absolutely. When we, when we choose to sin and sin is anything that is, that is like a slight turn away from Jesus. Right. But Jesus yeah. paid it all. He did yeah. everything. So even now, he's not looking at us after we sin and saying, wow, like you really need to pull yourself together. And like, and you know, he right. doesn't do that. He said, right. hey, I already did it. Right. I already paid it all and I've already done it all. Right. And, but, but how amazing that he gave you this picture of the heartbreak that he has experienced on the cross. Right. That he, that, that he, has already paid for he's already done it but he gave you this glimpse to what that really feels like and yeah. i think anybody who anyone who goes through a betrayal gets a sense of that but really i mean the, the main reason that i wanted to hear your story and hear your perspective on this is because of that perspective of, of hosea too that he prepped you for it yeah what a gift that he right. prepped you for it to say to say hey this is like kind of this is what i'm going to teach you not that he caused it Right. Not that he like that he caused this this breakdown in your marriage, right. but he's used it in such a powerful and awesome way. Amazing way for for something that the enemy meant to destroy you. Right, definitely. I'm I'm so so thankful for the way that he showed up. Yeah. One week before everything went down, he he shows up in my life and says, "This is how I feel." Yeah. And then gives me, from my perspective, even at that time, an opportunity to see what it's like mm -hmm. and see what he's like in a greater way. I mean, I, mean I, I look back, I look back even, even now, even the past year, the past two years, past three years. And I really believe the Lord like worked things together and orchest or orchestrated my life in such a way 
that he, all, all he wanted to do in, in putting all these different things together is to say, I love you. This is how I feel about you. And this is, um, this is how I'm working behind the scenes. So to show you his love, right? Just so, so just working my whole life together to say this one thing and really expose his heart to me and say, this is how I feel. That's unreal. Um, That's amazing. So, so at this time you're, you're still, you're still in this place of waiting for, for your ex-wife to come around. Yeah. What did the, um, eventually what did the divorce process look like for you? Um, yeah, honestly the, the hardest one of the hardest parts of the whole thing definitely one of them was finding out she's you know she's cheating on me she's doing drugs but the one that sticks out in my mind the most is around seven or eight months when I finally begin to see that divorce is going to be my story Wow! because for the first seven ish whatever months I still had hoped that we were going to reconcile yeah that we were going to work things out that God was going to restore our marriage um, but it wasn't until the very end where it felt like hope was just gone mm-hmm. because I, I, I started to see like, of course God wants our, our marriage restored, but she has a choice and yeah. if she doesn't want that, what can I say? Exactly. And that was, that was probably the hardest thing to swallow that she actually wasn't going to be in my life. And I was going to have to live the rest of my life without her. Um, and somehow accept divorce and say, I'm not going to be there for you either in this marriage covenant anymore. Wow. That was honestly, that was probably the hardest thing. And that didn't happen, like I said, till seven, eight months going through everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was really hard. And, and I, thankfully because of what the Lord had done in my life he showed me how to give her every opportunity to come back Hmm. Um, because that I mean that's all that that could be my only response because that's what he had done with me Um, and so yeah after I had really honestly given her every chance that I believe I could have per her request we we got divorced yeah and then it's a terrible word. Yeah, it it's is. It's a terrible it's, word. <laughs> I, I don't even, when I say it, I don't even see myself <laughs> being divorced. Even yeah. Though I right. know I am. Yeah, exactly. You know. Totally. So it's, yeah, it was very hard. That was, that was one of the hardest parts. And saying goodbye to her family was, was just excruciating because her, her family didn't want to lose me either. But I'm so thankful for the way that in my darkest nights, the Lord would show up. And there were a lot of times, right, where I didn't hear him. And I was like, God, where are you? Yeah. I don't hear you. I feel forgotten. But there were so many nights, just as many, where he would show up and say, you know, don't give up. Yeah. This is how I feel about wow. you. Like, you, your, your wife, you see what she's doing? That was you. And my response is to chase after you and say that you're mine now. And your name is forgiven. Your name is yeah. chosen. Yeah. You know? Your name is wife, like you're my bride, <laughs> and just so encouraging. Um, that's, so that's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful and honored by the way he would choose to show up in my life. And so just to tell the story, you know, I just give all praise and honor to the Lord. Yeah. And it's, it's such a joy to share it with people, um, especially moving down here this year. 
he's been showing me more and more that in that time of of suffering and just think about the timing how that message was so for me at this time he's been showing me that he's had so many other people on his mind um, and so he's been sending me here and there um, to different people putting people in my way to remind them like at this time three years ago now when I was suffering God had you on his mind and this is yeah, how I feel about wow, that's this, amazing. yeah and this is how he feels about you the, the power so. of testimony and that's that's one of the things that I love I mean if you've been listening to the podcast any length of time or have heard me talk about my story in any sense you've probably heard me talk about the bleeding woman and she she's incredible because she hears about Jesus she hears the testimony that that Jesus has healed other people and so then that's what that's what gives her the hope that Jesus will also heal her her yeah. and then after she receives her healing then she testifies of her own healing right. in front of everybody so the power of our story and sharing our story declaring our own healing is so powerful and then also processing healing too like stepping into a greater level of healing yeah. because this kind of healing from relational betrayal any relational brokenness really just like soul healing let's be honest sometimes take a while and it's a it's a process so when yeah. we share and when we talk about it we are we're, we're inviting a greater level of healing in um in being restored within the context of community right so that's the the, the power of sharing is so important definitely it's 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 been really important in my life you know as i look back now um just inviting people to be in that place with me through mm -hmm. story and say yeah. hey you come with me through this journey and then let's see together how god feels about us wow that has been definitely i think um an integral part in my healing process yeah so sharing the story with people and just being reminded all over again god actually did that yeah and he actually feels this way about me mm -hmm. and he even today, you know, I'm not perfect even now, yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah. I never will be till I die, in a sense, you know. But even now, the Lord is chasing after me and pursuing totally. me on the daily. And so just being reminded that through, through yeah, the testimony is, is such a blessing and an honor. Healing, healing takes place within this time of waiting the the eight months that you were waiting for her to come back and you were waiting for even for your divorce to be final mm -hmm. um my my divorce has been final for a year now which is crazy to believe that but that the waiting time god meets us in that place but then i feel like particularly in divorce i think we heal in different ways yeah. and god leads us through that what did that look like for you in maybe after your after your divorce was finalized and then even to, you know, moving here right. um, just a couple months ago. What did the, what was the healing yeah. process like? Yeah, I would say, I would say there's, there's probably one main principle um, that I, biblical principle that is, that I applied in my life that sort of uh, resulted unintentionally in healing. Hmm. So, so my goal like I wasn't thinking I need to be healed yeah. that just wasn't my story <laughs> yeah I was like where do I go from here yeah. my life has been taken from me what do I even do I wasn't thinking like okay 
10 step process to healing. Right. You, you didn't make a you know, spreadsheet like I did. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you were amazing that way. That's just, I just didn't have that experience. And it's not everyone's experience. Yeah. And so, but God calls us all to heal in different ways. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But the principle that I was referring to, I would say, I find it all throughout scripture, really. And you mentioned waiting. Waiting was still a part of the story after I got divorced yeah. from me. Waiting on God. Yeah. What does that look like? One, waiting isn't something passive. Yeah. You know, you're not sitting back and saying, you know, doing nothing and saying, well, I'm just going to do nothing until God changes everything. You know, waiting is active. It's stepping up, and that's really yeah. what reclamation for you, from what I've heard, is all about, which I just love. And for me, it it was that way, but it wasn't for healing, mm. um, particularly. Healing just happened as a result. And this is what I mean. I, I'll maybe quote a, a few different scriptures, but one, which you won't be surprised if if you know Take me. Take notes, listeners. Yeah, it is, <laughs> is Lamentations three. So, what do you do when your life falls apart mm. and you're in the deepest pain? you could ever be in you could ever imagine yourself being in and you can't see you know it's it's a dark place there mm -hmm. you, you don't know where you are you don't know where you're going you can't hear you don't know what's going on around you directionless right. what do you do um i look at jeremiah as a good example of what to do because he was in a place that was very hard um, and he was suffering along with the children of israel in lamentations and he's in this place where he feels forgotten and he's suffering and people around him are starving to death. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can't even, it's a different, different kind of pain than what I was going through, but of course, you know, the principles apply and totally. Um, so he's just suffering and he's there and he says things like, God, you forgot about me. Like full on. Full he's on. like, God, you forgot you, about me. You forgot about me. Where, where are me you? I, yeah. when, when I pray, you block out my prayers. That's how it feels. That's, I mean, that's bold to say to God. It is bold. And there were a few times when I was going through everything where it did feel like that. Yeah. And I was like, God, like I'm doing, I'm doing my part. Why am I suffering? Yeah. Why am I here? Why, why do I have to go? Like, like I, I thought marriage, you know, was for me. What's going on? Right. And Jeremiah does this amazing thing where he doesn't actually wait for God to show up in his life. And I'm so thankful the Lord did in mine yeah. in the way that he did. Um, but Jeremiah literally stands up and he actively, you know, you talk about waiting being something active as opposed to being passive. He stands up in that time and says, I'm going to remember this I recall to my mind. So he's actively standing up and remembering who God is. Yep. And he says, in verse 21, he says, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Yeah. And so he, like God didn't show up and say, I love you, Hosea 2, this is how I feel about yep. you. He, Jeremiah, literally is not hearing God's voice. Yeah. And he stands up and remembers. Mm. And he remembers that God's love never fails. He says, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The loving kindnesses of the Lord indeed never fail, for his compassions never cease. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And so that's what I tried to do. Yeah. And so I'm there and I'm by myself and I, I'm hurting, I'm broken. I, I 
don't even know how to process everything that's happening. I just lost half of my family. Yeah. I'm just now starting to realize I'm actually divorced and she's not a part of my life. Right. And I'm in that place and I don't hear him. Hmm. I don't hear his voice. And so I look at Jeremiah and I say, that's <laughs> what, an admirable, what an admirable and valiant thing to do. And that's what I, that's what I attempted to do. I, I stood up in those times. A lot of times it wasn't standing, it was laying or yeah. it was, you know, crying on the floor or whatever it yeah. is. And I said, Lord, I know I'm here, but I'm going to remember your love hasn't failed me. Your love right. has not given up on me. You're still working. I don't, I don't see everything. I don't understand. I'm directionless, and it feels even hopeless sometimes, but your love has not failed me yeah. or forsaken me. And as a result hope would rise yeah. in me. And I would have those promises in his word that I would hang on to for dear life. I will never leave you or forsake you. Yep. You know, and my love has not failed you. Yeah. I would hang on to those for dear life and they would give me hope. Yeah. And that hope resulted unintentionally in, in the healing process wow, for me. that's so beautiful. So I wasn't like looking for healing per se. Yeah. I was just fully assured that God loves me, yeah. even though I don't he get it. He was not going to fail you. And he was not going to fail well, me. Well, and we, we talk about, we talk about Hosea 2, and one of my favorite scriptures in Hosea 2 is um, verse 15. that says, yep. I will take her valley of trouble and I will make it a doorway of hope. Yeah. So this thing that, you know, we've put ourselves through sin in this valley of trouble, in this place that is just void of anything growing, We've made ourselves that, and right. God's gonna take that trouble, and He's gonna make it a doorway into hope. Yeah. How like I love that picture so much because it leads to something. Like a doorway right. always leads to something. Sure, exactly. And and so so He's gonna take our trouble and make it hope. Yeah. Is crazy. Yeah. But it then is. but then we you know we read in like Roman, Romans five three through five that um. That trouble leads to endurance, endurance leads to character, mm -hmm. and character leads to hope, and hope will never fail. Yeah. So hope will not, not disappoint us. Yep. So that trouble, it totally makes sense that it leads it leads to hope, waiting for God and recalling that. Um, and then, of course, that principle is all through all throughout the Bible. All I mean, throughout. like I'm just I've just been studying Nehemiah right now about restoring the walls and Nehemiah does this awesome thing of just saying, God, I remember who you are. Yeah. I will always remember who you are. And then that leads us to then healing or restoration. Right. So it always needs to come from that, from remembering who God is and what his promises are for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so in the healing process, fundamentally, we need his word. We need yeah. his word. Because <laughs> if we don't have his word, we'll forget what he's like. And we'll begin to think that he's something that he's not. Hmm. And maybe he feels something other than what he does. Maybe maybe God caused this. Maybe maybe he doesn't care about me. Yeah. We'll begin to feel those things and get sidetracked. And so we absolutely need his word to show us what he's like yeah. and give us hope. Yeah. Because if, if we don't know the way that God's love, the way that he loves us, if I didn't know that, I would have no hope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. I, I don't know what I would have done. I would yeah. have turned to other things mm -hmm. because we have to go somewhere. Yeah. 
you know, something is your refuge, whether it's God or not. Right. And so if it hadn't been for the Lord showing up and saying, this is the way that I feel about you, I don't know what I would have done. And, but that, that's, that's what gave me hope. We don't even want to think about that. No. We don't even want to think here. about what, was, I'm here. what it's would amazing. it be like if God didn't show up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I don't even want to think about it. No. And here we are. So we can, yeah, just rejoice together. But that's, that is, that's probably the main, I would say, the main principle. And I found that the Lord, Lord, the Lord in, in those healing times, uh, immediately following my divorce, would bring me to scriptures like that. Yeah. So he brought me to Lamentations. David is a good one, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know Isaiah. David is so honest with his emotions. Let's yeah. be let's be real. <laughs> Psalm, Psalm forty two. I, yeah. I actually memorized at that time. Okay. And it was super for me. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he's like he's like, why are you in despair, soul? He's talking to himself, uh-huh. hoping God. Mm-hmm. God is faithful. I he's not going to let you that. down. I just read that this morning. <laughs> yeah, that that just hit me, and particularly. The verse that, honestly, if I had to pick one verse outside of being in Hosea 2, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that was just for me, it would be Psalm 42, verse 8. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, but his song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. And, Ooh, I love that. And so you have this contrast between day and night. Yeah. And I was in the night at that time right it's dark we don't know where we are i I was in such a broken place and david i looked at this verse and i was like that is so amazing yeah david would say the lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime but when it's nighttime you're still the god of my life Hmm. and i'm gonna sing that and so in that time i remember specifically a time where, where i just memorized that verse and i came home and I was, I just, I just felt hopeless. Yeah. Like, uh, everything is just super raw and real at that time. And I remember looking up at the sky specifically and looking to God and saying, God, even here, I'm like crying, even here in the nighttime, you're still the God of my life. Yeah. You are the God of my life, even here. And just remembering, you haven't failed me. Yeah. You haven't failed me. I don't see, I don't understand, but I know you're faithful. Mm-hmm. I know you're faithful. I remember what you did. <laughs> you showed up. You, you showed said, up in Hosea I, too. This is how I feel. Yeah. The absence of hope or hope unfulfilled is disappointment. Yeah. And I mean, that's just the that's just the, the tip of the iceberg of what we felt yeah. in our divorces. There were so many times in that disappointment where I felt completely hopeless that... I'd be reminded, okay, actually, this is the only time of my life where I, like, just believing who God is, believing that his word is true and he's who he says he is, this is the only time in my life where I'm going to be able to worship him in this in this level of, right. like, the depths of my pain. Right. Um, sometimes it felt like it would never, it would never end. Yeah. But in this place, I could choose worship. Right. And... I could choose to praise him in this because I know that even if I die in this place, <laughs> because sometimes I felt like I was going to in just being so depressed, yeah. even if I die here, never having, you know, never having seen hope, um, I'll go to heaven 
and um, I'll be in hope and I'll be able to I'll be able to worship him freely there where there is no crying. There is no pain. But in that darkest place where it's so terrible and hopeless and just bitter, we can worship and we actually need to in in that real and honest and raw way of giving God praise in that because he is who he says that he is, even if we're not seeing the evidence of it. Absolutely. And that's why I say again, we, we need his word to sort of guide us in how to do that. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? There's no you've blueprint never, for you've never, this. <laughs> you've never been there before. So it's like, how do I even do this? But I think the Christian life, I mean, it's a life of faith, and that means yeah. it's an active life. And so in those times, like you said, that's where rubber really meets the road. Yeah. Do I really take God at his word? It says here, he's never going to leave me. Yeah. And Jesus looks at his disciples and said, I'll be with you always. Mm-hmm. He looks at us and says that. Do, do we believe him or do we take him to be a liar? Right. You know, but he's not a man that he should lie. And whenever he... You know, so many times we he says to us, like, with joy in his eyes, he shouts, I will never leave you, mm-hmm. and I will never forsake you. And then the next day we wake up and we don't feel him. We're like, maybe God left. <laughs> you know, maybe he's not here anymore. Yeah. And to our shame, so many times I think we take God to not mean what he says. Mm-hmm. And he does. Yeah, when he, he says does. something, he doesn't say it flippantly like people do. Mm-hmm. When he says light, there's light. Like you know? that happens. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> and when he looks at us and says, I will never leave you. Mm-hmm. Even in those dark times, he means it. Wow. And so he's, he really just, he did a lot of, a lot of faith work in my life at that yeah. time to say, hey, I, I do mean what I say. Mm-hmm. And my love hasn't failed you. And I'm still with you. Wow. So if you're... Um, if you would be speaking to somebody who's facing betrayal or divorce, what would you, what advice would you give them? Three things come to mind immediately. One is one that I mentioned. You need his word. Mm-hmm. We need his word. If you don't have his word, you'll, you won't see what God is like. You won't see the way that he feels about you. And consequently, you won't have hope. And hope is the foundation for healing. Let's be real. If you don't have hope, how can you heal? Yeah. You have to have something to hang on to that is real and tangible mm-hmm. to move forward. And that's his word. Yeah. And so I would say you need his word. It was those times when I'm going through the darkest, darkest, deepest pain and betrayal. So many different emotions going on. Like my wife might die. Like I just lost half my family. Different things going on where the Lord would bring me to his word. Mm-hmm. And say, this is how I feel. My love hasn't left you. I have not forsaken you. I still have a plan for your life somehow. Even though you don't see everything that's going on. Yeah, I do. And there's hope. And you found that through the word. And we need that. We need the word because that is where it's found. It's not found anywhere. I mean, there's no hope in the world. There isn't. Um, The word is where we find hope. So that would be number one. We need his word. Number two, I would say find community. Mm-hmm. And if I was talking to someone there, yeah. I would say, I'm here for you yeah. directly. Yeah. And I'm not going anywhere. And if you need yeah. anybody to talk to, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm all ears. Right. And I've, I've been doing that. And that just, just being there for someone is so important. So find community. That would be number two. We absolutely need that. I didn't have a lot of that, as I've mentioned, yeah. when I was up in Fargo. And that made things more difficult than maybe they could have been. Right. But there were a few times when someone would give me a word here or yeah. there, which was so critical. And I only had maybe three of those times mm. with community in that way Yeah. in the nine months. Wow. And one I can, I can think of that I'll share quickly that it was just, I will never forget in a million years. It was at the time that I described when I had just realized that divorce was going to be my story. Mm-hmm. And so that was the time where I was most hopeless. I had just gone through these months of suffering, come to find things aren't going to be restored. Yeah. I'm not, I'm actually going to be divorced. And there, during that time, I felt like, like I didn't even have the strength to pick up my head and look someone in the eye. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to church this little church, maybe 30, 40 people, all of them elderly. <laughs> and I went and, you know, after praise and worship, um, you know, you greet people and you yeah. shake hands. And yeah. I didn't want to. <laughs> right. Because I'm, I'm just so down. And I remember this elderly, elderly woman coming up to me out of nowhere. And she grabbed my hand to shake it. So I was like, okay. So I shook her hand. And she squeezed my hand and immediately yanked me towards her and I, I fell into her and then she she was kind of shorter yeah and so I fell into her and she kind of catches me a little and she hugs me and her face her her, her uh, mouth is right up by my ear mm-hmm. and she says I don't know why but I just want to tell you God hasn't forgotten you and he knows what you're feeling yeah everything that you're going through he sees it and he just wants you to know that he loves you and he loves you and he loves you. And she repeated that maybe seven or eight times. And I just lost it. Yeah. <laughs> and I cried. I cried the rest of the day. Wow. Because of I, I was like at the end. Yeah. You know, I, I was at the bottom. Yep. You know, after eight, nine months, you know, that was it. I didn't have hope. But because she was just obedient and I could tell she was nervous. She mm-hmm. didn't know who I was. Yeah. But those words just went right down into the deepest part of, of who of who I was at that time. And what you needed and to what hear. I was going, and exactly yeah. what I needed to hear. I mean, and, no one can argue that that is the Lord. I'm sorry. That is, that is just the Lord. And that's yeah. what, that's how he speaks. And going off of that, like, get in touch with, with, I, I just want to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit and what he wants me to say to people where I can I can give those kinds of words too. Right. And that takes practice Definitely. too, Definitely. but Absolutely. I I strive for that. Absolutely. Yeah. And thankfully the Lord has given me language for that because of what I I, I yeah. went through. Um but that would definitely be number 2. We need each other. We need community. So one run to his word because that's where his promises are. That's where we find hope. Yeah. And we need each other. So find community if you don't have community. Go find some because yeah. <laughs> we Get need it. people in our lives to when we don't even know what to do or we run to his word. We're not seeing things. Someone will be there yeah. to help us through. We need that. We need each other. We're not made to go it alone. And and three, if I was talking to to someone directly, I would just encourage them and say, God has not forgotten you. Hmm. You know, he has not forgotten you. 
even though it feels like it, even though even though you can't see, he's working behind the scenes on your yeah. behalf. He fights diligently for you. Yeah. Like it says in Deuteronomy 33, who is like Israel, whose God is the Lord, mm. who runs through the skies to their aid. Yeah. And that's what God does for us. He runs through the skies to our, just to our aid to help us. Mm-hmm. And there's always hope. There's always, always hope. And even when God doesn't bring restoration in the way that we think that he will or the way that we want it to happen, like in our cases, we wanted restoration in our marriages. Um, even Even if that doesn't happen, because that takes two willing parties, it takes... Um, you know, two people working hard <laughs> in that direction. And when that doesn't happen, there is always restoration because in our surrender, in, in giving all of that over to, the, over to the Lord, he will bring restoration into your life and he will bring healing and he's going to bring hope. Even if you feel hopeless and completely broken, there is always, 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 always hope. And he will Definitely. take your valley of trouble and he's going to turn it into a, a doorway of hope. Definitely. Absolutely. And we are living testimonies of that. Yeah. Like, praise God. We're not just saying things like, oh, shallowly, there's hope for you. Yeah. Like it's going to be okay. Actually, <laughs> there actually is hope. Yeah. Like this is living principles around. for sure. Thank you for being here and sharing your story with um, with me and with the podcast listeners. Amazing. Definitely. You have a, such an important perspective, <laughs> but an important perspective of, yeah. of the love of Jesus and the hope that he is constantly bringing to us. He's always, Definitely. always bringing it. Well, thank you listeners so much for listening and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Reclaimed podcast. For more information about reclaiming, visit reclaimed.com. That's R-C-L-A-I-M-E-D.com.